You're tuned in to America's Positive Radio talk show, David Essel Alive. Welcome aboard, gang, and our final hour for this Saturday. It's going to be a great hour, by the way, as well. Celebrating 21 years in talk radio as we broadcast live out of Studio E in Los Angeles, California. You're listening to us either on XM Satellite Radio, Channel 168, or we stream worldwide via TalkDavid.com. Proud to be part of the Premier Radio Network and here, ready to rock and roll. Toll free, one 800 548-8255 as we talk about overcoming challenges, as we discuss ways to increase your finances, your health, your spiritual path, relationships, everything in the world that you can imagine going through at one time or another, we will cover and we have covered on the show. 1-800-548-8255. Let's go to California. Mark, you're on with David Essel. Uh, yes, hello. Hey, Mark, what's on your mind today? Oh, uh, thanks, David. Uh, yeah, I had a question for you. Um, my wife and I, uh, we just actually celebrated our five-year anniversary. Uh, for the first time, each of us got married five years ago, and we're totally in love. However, um, I've had fallen on some hard times the last four years with my business. I'm an over-the-road independent truck driver. Um I'm basically bankrupt at this point. Um, however, my wife uh, has, has got one of the best jobs she's ever had. Um, she owns two properties other than the house that we own together. And my question is basically, um, is divorce, uh, you know, should I put divorce on the list of things that we should consider because of my finances and me most likely having to face bankruptcy. Well, Mark, I you know what? I, in all the years, I've never had this question posed to me, Mark. In all the years of working with couples, I've never, ever in my life had someone say to me, um, my wife and I are totally in love, but I'm thinking about divorcing her because of financial situation, which is what you're saying, right? Yeah, I mean, I would basically... Um, in any kind of divorce papers, just give her absolutely everything that we possibly have and separate but you guys, her but, do you, but, but wait, hold on a second. Mark, but you guys are, are in love, right? Absolutely. So this would be a financial move. So you're thinking of divorcing her for a financial move to protect her? Correct. Okay. Well, let me tell you, if I was in your situation, Mark, if I was in your situation, I would do everything in the world but divorce my wife. Really? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, there's there's something. Now, I'm divorced, so I, I can tell you that even though I hold marriage in the highest accord possible, I failed. If you want to look at it as failed, or you can say I just learned a hell of a lot that I won't repeat again. <laughs> <laughs> which I happen to look at it positively. But I, I, I just could not make that jump, Mark, my, myself personally. You know, I could not make that jump to divorce my wife for some financial benefit. I really, uh, I really, really couldn't. A, I'm just in a lot of pain here, you know. I, I've come to face the facts of my financial situation, and, um, I mean, I don't feel like, my, I should drag my wife and her excellent credit um, into you know my world. I'm just I know, I'm but, but when you marry, and, but wait a minute, Mark, Mark, when you marry, don't you marry for you know all the greatness and all the crap? 
Well, yeah, but I mean, I, I don't know. I'm looking at, I'm looking at, you know, the marriage and and the divorce is just being, you know, a paper with a couple of signatures on it. I mean, I will, you know, I would, I would figure that, you know, maybe seven, ten years down the line, we would just remarry. I mean, I don't think anything would change other than the fact that, you know, yeah. there's there's a paper that says, okay, we're not married anymore. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I. I... You know, I understand that. Let me ask you, have you talked with more than one bankruptcy attorney? Um, I, I'm in I'm in the financial planning right now. Um, I've talked with one, and um, I'm also going to be seeing a financial advisor just to kind of find out, you know. I, I just don't see any way out of where I'm at at this point. I, I mean, I can't even, I, I'm not even making enough money per year to pay the interest on the debt that I owe. So right. I'm accruing, you know, thousands of dollars of debt each year. Um, and I mean, I, I make, I'm, I can, I can make sixty, eighty thousand $80,000 in a year pretty easily. It's just the interest is killing me. I'm talking 13, mm-hmm plus percent on, you know, amount that's so high, it's just, it's barrel rolling. And I'm, I'm like, it, you know, it's time for, for me to use a system that's out there and available for me to work with. I mean, bankruptcy court is there for individuals like me oh, who unfortunately... No, Mark. Mark, I am not against bankruptcy at all. I am, I am not against that. As a matter of fact, a very good a friend of mine is a bankruptcy attorney. His name is Carmen Delutri. If you want to Google him, you can tell him you and I talked on the air. This guy is smart as a whip. He's awesome. He's a great guy, filled with integrity. Carmen Delutri, D-E-L-L-U-T-R-I. As a matter of fact, we've had him on the show. I am not, and, and Carmen and I are going to start going around the country doing workshops together on, on bankruptcy and, and recovery from bankruptcy, which is my area of expertise. So we're, I, I'm not against bankruptcy, and he even calls it, in some people's lives, at certain times in life, he calls it excellent financial planning. For yeah. one's for one's future, which I agree with, you know, I I totally agree with with Carmen is brilliant. I love him. I just I, I'm just saying, if I'm in your situation, going through a divorce is something that I would I would so not want to do. When when first, you know, you've talked to one one bankruptcy attorney. I think that's great. Talk to Carmen. That'd be number two. Get a couple of financial planners. There's got to be a way around this financially that doesn't have to take you and your wife through a divorce, I would imagine. All right. Well, I'll talk okay. to him. Carmen Volutri, huh? D- Carmen Delutri with a D. D-E-L-L-U-T-R-I, Delutri, as in David. D as in David, Delutri. But check, you know, talk to him. Talk to the bankruptcy attorney in California that you're talking to. Get two financial planners on the line. Talk to both of them. The investment of an hour of your time with their time would be well worth it. And, Mark, let's see if there isn't a way that we can come out of this financially smart and save your marriage at the same time, even if it is, quote, unquote, just a certificate. How does that sound? Uh, sounds real good. I'll give Dave, I'll give uh, Carmen a call, and we'll we'll go from there. I appreciate your uh, your time on the phone today. A- absolutely, Mark. And get back with us and let us know how you are. Okay. All right, we'll do that. Thanks, David. Okay. Okay. Thank you, man. Bye bye. Bye bye. One eight hundred five four eight eight two five five. Okay, listen. My next guest, I am so excited to have with us. I've been wanting this guy on for I don't know, probably six months now. Ernest Graham. 
If you remember Ernest Graham from Florida Gator football, major star in college football, from Parade Magazine, High School All-American, he went to the Tampa Bay Bucks um, as an as a uh, 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 a free an undrafted free agent. As a matter of fact, made the NFL Pro team, Tampa Bay Bucks. Hurts tears his Achilles tendon, goes into rehab, and right now we have Ernest on the line. We're going to find out a bunch of things. Is he going back into the pros? Does he want to play football again? How has he overcome challenges in life? What's his future look like? There's so many questions I've been wanting to ask this guy, and I'm so jazzed that we have him. Ernest, welcome to the show. How are you doing today, David? Hey, it's it's great to finally get you, man. <laughs> I'm, oh, I'm so God. happy to finally be on the show, man. I, I truly am. Good. This is this is good. So, Ernest, I got to ask you: Are you going back into the pros? Have you made that decision? I know, as I said today, I know one hundred percent that I'm not going back into the pros. You're you're one hundred percent sure you're not going back? Yeah. Yes. I, yeah. I mean, you know, as far as my life is concerned, uh, I've always kind of known, you know, when it's time to move on, when it's time to press something, and. You know, at this point, uh, you know, I think it's time for me really to, you know, transition into the other things that I have going on off the field. So, at this point, no, I'm I'm healthy. You know, I feel great. Uh, you know, I like the pace, you know, which my life is right now. I like, you know, spending time with my family. Um, you know, things I have going off the field with the community and, and my foundation. I'm, I'm enjoying those things. So, you know, football kind of gets you, can get you away from those things. And, and right now, I'm just feeling that it's, it's definitely time to move on. I, I played nine years, and at my position, that's um, that's three to, to four times longer than the you know longer than the um, the average career. And I've had a great run at it. I've enjoyed it, and I accomplished a lot. Uh, you yeah. know, doing that time. Well, you know, anyone that has followed your career, one of the things that we read about constantly and hear about uh, in interviews uh, is not just Ernest Graham, the athlete, but the integrity that you bring on and off the field. Where did that come from? Where did you get the integrity to, to do the right thing, to know the right thing? Because like, that's not something that every athlete is talked about with. Yeah, you know, you know, growing up, I was a very observant person. Um, you know, I, I grew up in my community, of course. You know, naturally, like a lot of, a lot of communities, it was a lot of crime. There was a lot of things going on. So I always kind of reserved judgment on everything. <laughs> you know, so... <laughs> You know, I always lived that type of life, and that that attitude comes from my mom. My mom, when she passed, she passed two years ago. You know, she was the type of person that uh, that would give you her last. She was the type of person that didn't judge anyone and ask any questions, but was always there and always a person, you know, who would respond in the moment. And that was kind of the way um, the way I went about it in my career. Is that I wanted to be that person that was there that always, you know, responded in the moment and could always experience, you know, always could have a great experience in the moment. So when guys got hurt, you know, when my teammate was looking for me, I wasn't thinking about tomorrow, I wasn't thinking about the past. I wasn't trying to concern myself for a bigger payday. You know, it was just in the moment. My team needed me in the moment. My family needed me in the moment. You know, what's, you know and, and I always responded to that. That was something that I got from my mother. Hmm. And and growing up, you, you mentioned, you know, a crime-ridden area, crime-ridden neighborhood. It's right. easy. It's so easy in that in that area of town, Ernest, to to go the wrong way. Do you have friends or family members that took the wrong path when you took the right path? Yeah, most of my friends and most of my family, uh, you know, did. Yeah, that was something that um, I, I always felt like I, I was never afraid for people to not, you know, to not understand, you know, where I was coming from. You know, I, I knew I had seen enough. You know, I had seen enough guys go in and out of prison. I had seen enough guys, you know, get shot. I had seen I had seen enough of those things 
you know, to not go ahead first and, and follow those type of actions. And it was just that faith that I have. I didn't think I had the answers, but, I, you know, I, I was just very patient, and I, and I had faith that those answers would come come to me. You know, I didn't have a father that was there at all. You know, matter of fact, most of my male, most of the male role models that came into my life that, um, you know, were, were abusive to my mother, you know, so I was just always reserving judgment on everything. And that type of taste, um, that type of taste that I had with my life is what revealed, you know, a lot of the right ways or a lot of more ways to go, uh, you know, to go about my life. Is that because I was always reserving judgment and, and things were revealed to me as I will, as I will go on through the different trials in my life. Yeah. Yeah. Ernest, we're going to go to a quick break. When we come back, you know, a question that, that I want to ask you is how is it? And, and you just said something really powerful. You said that all the male role models that you saw abusive to your mom or involved in, in with prison, obviously, probably through drugs and alcohol. How the heck does one guy like you not follow that path when all of the surrounding people are heading in that direction. We're going to come back with Ernest Graham, football great. Now moving on to some really big things, too. We'll get to later on in the interview. You're tuned in to David Essel Live, America's positive radio talk show, celebrating 21 years on the air, rocking and rolling across the USA with a positive mindset always. 1-800-548-8255. Website, talkdavid.com. Text us anytime during the show, 941 266 7676. I'm David Asso. We'll be back with Ernest Graham right after this. You're tuned in to America's Positive Radio Talk Show. Gotta love Madonna. 1-800-548-8255. Saturday, 6 to 9 Eastern, 3 to 6 Pacific, 800-548-8255. My guest, Ernest Go Gators Graham, from Parade Magazine High School All-American to University of Florida, started at Tampa Bay Bucks, now officially announcing that uh, he will not be returning after an Achilles uh, tendon injury. He won't be returning to pro ball. He's got so much other stuff on the on the the docket that we'll get to. But Ernest, I have this. I have to ask this question again because it's mind blowing. It's absolutely mind blowing. Like how and 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 you and there are other pro athletes that I know have followed the same path. They're surrounded by drugs, by alcohol, by crime, by choices that they have to make. And 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 without having a positive male role model, Ernest. How is it that you can make the correct choice, go into pros, retire when you want to retire, and other people at 13, 12, 10, 16, 18 in the same environment? Like, isn't it even mind-blowing to you to think that you've escaped in the way that you have or no? You know, read quite a bit. And there's a lot of things that I read, uh, you know, right now that I didn't realize that I was ex- exercising, you know, as a young man. You know, I don't know if you call it, you know, uh, innate confidence or, you know, some people call it being set apart, pre- predestined shows, whatever you decide to call it. But one thing I know I did not do 
is that the negative things that were going uh, on in my environment, I never identified myself with them. You know, I never took them all as my identity. I never looked at those things and felt bad or good about the things that were that went on within a, within my environment. And also, in return, the positive things that have gone on in my life, I have also not identified with. You know, being an NFL player or, you know, people, you know, getting praise from people and, like, feeling that separation um, because I'm on, on, I, I, I have a title that people put on the pedestal. And that has right. allowed me to um, experience everything in my life uh, and, and in return allow what people think is the, is the common person to kind of endear themselves to me. So I've never identified with things that have gone on in my life. I've always lived, you know, sort of in the moment and have uh, reserved judgment on different things. Yeah, it's quite, it's quite powerful. Hey, who who was your favorite running back growing up? Let, I want to switch gears for a second. Who is your favorite NFL running back of all time? My favorite NFL running back would have to be uh, both Barry Sanders and Walter Payton. Yeah, yeah, two awesome running backs. And when you were a kid, did you see yourself as them? Did you ever have that visualization of seeing yourself as a kid playing in the NFL? I did not. I, I truly no. do not. I think most most people find that odd about me, and yeah. that is the that's the reason I think that I've not. You know, when I've had things to accomplish, you know, I don't have really much anxiety. I'm pretty confident about it, and if it happens, it happens. You know, but it doesn't affect the effort that I give. But um. I've never had, I've never looked at football like, wow, I want to be a football player. This is my dream. I don't look at it that way. You know, anything that comes on my plate, I pretty much treat the same. You know, I pretty much give it the same effort. I learn about it. I study it. Um, You know, of course, I was naturally athletic. But it's always going into anything I do. It could be, it could be, you know, I'm working on a blog. It could be writing my blog. It could be anything that I'm doing out in the community. It could be painting the house. You know, I carry the same mentality, the same things over into everything within my life. So, Football wasn't something that I necessarily said, oh, wow, I want to be a pro football player. But you know what? It was something my mom gave me that I, in return, wanted to give my all because I saw the effort that my mom um, exhibited to get me to be involved in organized sports. You know, like, right. I always tell kids and parents, like, give something good a chance to happen. And that was that's what my mother did. My mother, though she couldn't afford it, she bought me a Peter Britannicas, you know, she put me right. into sports. She put me. She gave me other opportunities that other kids in my community who had a lot more than I did did not have. And through reading books and reading the encyclopedia, it kind of it kind of um, it spurred my love for reading. Uh, it spurred my love for philosophy. For you know, for all these different things. And it's because my mom provided the opportunity. She had to do much more than that besides put it in front of me. And I was a kid. I was a young kid, and I wanted to pretty much um, you know take in anything I could. You know, so my mom gave me a number of things to uh, develop myself with. Now, the other things people haven't quite seen them develop in my life, and football was naturally the first thing that did. But, right. you know, it was never about me being a football player. It was what I could do with being a football player. Everything is what I can do with it, as I, opposed to that being the end game. You know, football I was my it. dream. It was what I could take football with and return to my community and do for my family and my community. Incredible. So unique, Ernest. I know you've heard that probably a billion times. You are so unique, dude. I'm going to ask you to hang in there. We're going to go to a break. Hey, okay. check out a couple things about Ernest. I am Ernest.com, his blog. I am Ernest.com. And we'll talk to him when we come back in just a moment. I'm David Essel. Stay right there. Just to party on the little Sunday.
You're tuned in to David Essel Live, America's Positive Radio Talk Show, broadcasting live out of Studio E in Los Angeles, California. Welcome aboard 1 800 548 8255. 1 800 548 8255. Saturdays, 6 to 9 Eastern, 3 to 6 Pacific. If you do not yet have a copy of our brand new book, we're giving away 1 million copies of our brand new book, The Power of Focus. How to Exceed Your Own Expectations in Life. Go to talkdavid.com right now and get your copy, The Power of Focus. It'll show you what, what you need to do in order to get off the fence in life, to get off of procrastinating those big, massive goals, how to find an accountability partner, how to set up your day, what to do first thing in the morning, what to do last at night in order to shift your mindset, shift your action steps on a daily basis so that you can become focused on what you want, and achieve that which you desire. Go to talkdavid.com. We're giving away a million copies. Then after that, they're nineteen ninety five. So get your copy now, The Power of Focus, How to Exceed Your Own Expectations in Life, available at talkdavid.com. My guest right now, Ernest Graham, who's overcome an immense amount of challenges and then was faced with the challenge of how to heal, how to recover from an Achilles tendon injury. Should he go back pro? Not. He's made a decision not to go back to pro, but instead, because of the attitude, talk about attitude that this gentleman has, he's in the community making a difference. And Ernest, talk about your your blog, IamErnest.com. What is that all about? What's the purpose of your blog? Um, it's, just, it's just talking about, you know, the one thing I want, you know, being an NFL athlete, is I want people to, I think we've created this kind of separation you know, in the world, like if I'm an athlete or someone that's a celebrity, you know, I think most people are, are interpreting those people as separate from themselves as if they can't be those people. You know, the, mm. the, the question that you asked me before, you know, about being an NFL athlete, I never really focused on being an NFL athlete. I just focused on, like you just said, my attitude. You know, I focused on the things that I control, my attitude, my effort, and those different things. If I exhibited those traits, then I knew that was success to me. And then I knew eventually, whatever my goal was, it could, be, it could be anything, I knew those things would come. You know, and I think starting to get kids, youth, parents, everyone to focus on those things is what would allow you to see those very same traits in the person next to you, you know, the, the banker that's down the street, the person that lives next door to you. You know, so it's a lot of things that I, I am trying to point out that were integral, integral, in my, integral in my success. You know, it's not that I was... It's a lot of guys born with talent. You know, it's a lot of guys, you know, born with innate, innate ability to do things. But it's, the, it's these people, you know, who embrace that daily grind work, you know, who make themselves uncomfortable that are ultimately, you know, going to have success. You know, so that's really the the aim of my blog is to get people. That's why I played on I Am Ernest, to get people, you know, serious about their goals. I go to speak to kids all the time at schools, and, you know, and I'll get in front of the class and I'll ask them, you know, what makes your success and, you know, they'll tell me hard work, listen, and, you know, all the usual things. And I'll say, well, what will we need to sell you? And they'll tell you. And then I'll look at the kids and I'll say, well, what's the problem? You know, like, you, you know, <laughs> you, it's right there on the board. What's the issue? And, right. you know, my thing is that, you know, because I think people point out something that they want to do, you know, like I want to be an NFL football player, you know, I think because they didn't have respect for those things in between, it, it in return creates kind of an anxiety for failure. And I think they create a, a kind of sabotage themselves a little bit without knowing, um, you know, on the way to that goal or get themselves a built-in excuse. 
you know, I don't have an excuse that I can, you know, I can hustle hard, I can work hard to pay attention, I can study, I can do all those things, and that's success to me. So it's just pointing, it's just pointing to, I want my blog to point to those certain things that everybody can do. And, and whether they achieve their goals, is, that's, that's going to happen. That's the natural thing that happens. Yeah, I love it. Attitude. Attitude and effort. If if there was something that you wish you knew heading into professional football when you first entered the league as an undrafted free agent, what what is it that you wish you knew ahead of time, Ernest? Um, you know what? I, I wish I would have. I, I would have to say the thing that I wish I would have known. I wish I I wish I would have had more. You know, understanding my finances. I, I definitely wish I would have um, done that. I wish I would have known that. And I wish I would have had more so taken on a life coach. I think, you know, if you look at, if you look at professional sports right now, uh, you know, if you look at the NFL draft, for instance, I mean, you go in the NFL draft, you see the most most young guys that come from a similar situation. I mean, it's it's pretty routine to see a young guy with two, you know, one to two kids already, you know, already, you know, spending quite a bit of money. They got the nice suits on. They got the nice jewelry. You know, they've already committed you know, kind of to a certain way of thinking or a certain way of being. You know, and a lot of a lot of guys come in to football, and most guys in professional football have been stars since they've been 12, you know, 12 to 14 years old, since they've been in high school. And really, at that age is when they actually start to stop thinking for themselves. You know, everything is taken care of. You go to school, you go to pros, you know, everything is good. And then, then you know, you go, you go into the NFL career, and then reality hits you. You know, after you retire from the NFL, right? You know, so I, yeah, so I, you know, I wish that I would have been cognizant, you know, more cognizant of a lot of these things, because a lot of these things I just had to, I had to learn, kind of baptism by fire type of thing. I wish yep. I would have taken my time and learned these things, because before you know it, you know, you're an NFL player before you know it, and you haven't really thought about it. And, you, and some guys have families already, and some guys have a million dollars in their bank account, and by that time, it's really almost too late. You know, I wish. I would have been a more organized person. I wish I would have planned. I wish I had a ten-year plan out, a ten to twenty-year plan. I wish I would, have, you know, planned my life out in front of me. That I did not do. I mean, I learned kind of everything on the way, and I have slowed things down as a person. I've slowed things down and really, um, you know, planned planned the rest of my life out. But I wish, as a twenty-two-year-old man, I would have been more cognizant of those things. Yeah, you know, Ernest. There, in the last couple months, there's been a, a special they keep replaying on ESPN about. Um, athletes that faced financial failure. Bernie Kosar, yeah. the, the great quarterback from Cleveland, and a bunch of other guys. I mean, they, they had a ton of guys that just came out blatantly, openly honest. And one of the financial planners said, look at, you know, th- these pro athletes are going to have maybe a five- to six-year career that they've got to take that money and stretch it out to last 50, 60 years. And they're not being taught that. It's exactly what you just said. Yeah, that's exactly what I said. And one of the problems, you know, one of the problems is I think, not that I think I, I know, is is this culture. It's, it's the culture that we're in, you know. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's, you know the typical TV show I watch, the typical reality show that most guys watch, or, you know, the things that they are conscious of are not that larger um, culture that they're that we're weighing them against. You know, most guys, the music they listen to, the things that they take in on a daily basis, there's no coincidence that, that you get that result. You know, I actually consider guys. I actually consider guys who go through that and go broke. I, I consider them a success within that culture, because if that culture tells you 
you know, let all, you know, you spend a lot of money, you give your family your last, you know, women and living fast and, you know, doing those things, then you're actually a success. You know, they're actually just taking on what the culture asks of them. Asks of them. Right, now the thing, right. Now, now the, yeah, now the pain comes in when they've exhausted all their resources and now the culture really wants nothing to do with them. You know, but mm. they were part of that culture and they just did what the culture asked of them. They, you know, I don't watch TV and and see people talking about these frugal guys and these guys who say that's not who people focus on. You know, people right. focus on the celebrities. They focus on the guys spending all the money. They focus on the rap stars and rock stars, and they focus on all these guys. And these guys want their lifestyle, and they've never thought about any other lifestyle. You know, <laughs> until the money right. is gone. Yeah, until right. the money is gone, and that is the bigger issue: is that we are, we are. These guys are part of a culture that acts for that kind of. Um, that kind of act, and, and these guys go along with it. Now, I, I think the change has to come within the culture. I, I think it's really inevitable because, you know, when you get 78, 80% of guys, you know, that's it, that's a pretty accurate result. You know, it's not a mistake. It's a pretty accurate result, and this is what we're getting from guys who adopt this type of culture. And, and, I, and I think it's a big, big, big problem, and I think earlier intervention is really the only thing that's going to fix because, like I said, by the time – you're two years in, you know, a year or two in your career, you got millions of dollars, everybody's paying attention, they love you, and there's a lot of pressure for you to reverse, you know, the, um, sure. you know, the way you've sure. already started acting, you know what I mean? So I think yeah. it has to happen earlier, yeah. Yeah, but Ernest, let me ask you this question, and because I, I would struggle with this. Even if you had early intervention, even if you had athletes coming in and saying, hey, look it, start planning now. You're a rookie. Start planning now, you know, because this is what happened to me. Don't most athletes, when they get that big, big, the big buck, aren't they going to be probably looking at these people that have struggled? Pro athletes coming back to saying, I went bankrupt. I lost it all. I lived down the street. Isn't the normal response to that, Ernest, that that would never happen to me? That is 100% correct. <laughs> you know, that is, and it's so sad, man. You know, that guy, to look at that guy, you know, because they're on top of the mountain. They look at the guy like, I'm not going to do that. But, you know, that shows the ignorance. You know, that shows that these guys have no clue about money. They have no clue about financial failure. They have no clue yeah. how fast they can spend that type of money. And, right. you know, and that's, and that's, and, and they come from an environment where you live check to check. You know, I mm -hmm. always talk to, you know, since I, been in my career, I've talked, I have a lot of friends that come from different walks of life that, you know, have lived in certain, you know, in similar situations. And even in those situations that some consider poverty, they still live below, they still live below their means and they were saving money and they were doing certain things thinking about tomorrow. You know, well, a lot of guys don't come from that and they still exhibit that same mentality when they get a million dollars. You know, if you're a right. person who makes $5,000 a month and, you know, you spend you know, $5,200 a month, you know, you're going to probably do the same thing when you get a million dollars. And a lot right. of guys come from that environment and they do that. They find a way to spend all their money, you know, and, and yeah. they don't know, you know, once they don't, they don't factor in Uncle Sam, they don't factor in all these things. You know, they're not conscious of how much money they're giving out to their family and so on, you know. So it is 100, you are 100% correct that that is the, um, the uh, mentality of a lot of guys in the sad because they actually think, in their mind, like most people think, like, I got a million dollars. Like, how can how, how can that happen? Like, what what's right. wrong with you? You know, like, how can that happen? Right. Yeah, and until you go through it, <laughs> you know, until you go through it, it's like, wow, yeah. that guy was right. You know, <laughs> now you're the same boat. You know, <laughs> amen, amen. Yeah. Hey, 
Ernest, you know what? I, I want to give out your blog again. I, I want to get you back on, Ernest. We're, we're going to have to go in just a moment, but I'd love to get you back on and talk more. If that will fit into your schedule sometime, that would rock. You know, I would love to. You know, I would definitely love to talk to you, man, because, yeah, you know, this, this stuff is new to me, and, I, and, and I, I love your show. I love how organized you are, man, so I, I would love to do that. Oh, that that would be great. Let me give out the blog again. Ladies and gentlemen, visit it. I am Ernest.com for Ernest's thought on, on trying to break down that separation between athlete, uh, uh, celebrity, and quote unquote, the rest of the world, my quote unquote. Um, you know, he talks on there, as he shared earlier, about how attitude and effort should be rewarded and how he wants to start encouraging people to focus more on attitude and effort than anything else. Visit IamErnest.com. When we get Ernest back on, we're going to talk about his organization, Giving in Earnest, as well. We'll have more time next time. I've got still a ton of more questions, Ernest, but you are absolutely, you rock, man. You're so unique. You're, you're down to earth. You're grounded. And it's just been a pleasure having you on the program. Thank you, brother. I enjoyed it. Okay, we'll get you again. Have a great night. All right, now. All right, 1-800-548-8255. Ernest Graham is who we just had on, uh, 1-800-548-8255. Your emails, so much more coming up. David Essel in the box with you every Saturday, 6 to 9 Eastern, uh, five to, or 3 to 6 Pacific, 1-800-548-8255. I am David Essel. Stay right there. Always a good time. Saturdays, uh, 6 to 9 Eastern, 3 to 6 Pacific. Um, got a text in asking, and let me give you the text number, 941. If you want to text us anything, we just got a text asking for uh, Ernest Graham's blog. Our text number, 941-266-7676. Text us at 941-266-7676. Ernest Graham, the, the football player, just retired uh his his blog is iamernest.com iamernest.com check that out here here's a, a a question can someone who struggles with alcohol meaning i drink on weekends more than i should ever learn to drink moderately that is a great question they go on to say that uh even though they start every saturday friday and saturday to drink two to three drinks they end up with seven eight to ten and more Okay, this is what we know. I've I've worked in addiction recovery for over 20 years. This is what we know. For the average person who struggles with alcohol, the chance of learning to drink moderately is almost nil. And do you know why? Because most people who struggle with alcohol have already tried it. They've already tried the games, that they're going to have a glass of water in between every drink, that they're going to switch from vodka to wine, that they're going to switch from wine to beer, that they're going to switch, 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 that they're only going to drink... Saturdays, they're only going to drink Fridays and Saturdays. They're only going to drink Saturdays and Sundays. And I've worked with thousands of clients in 20 years that have had that goal. Can I just learn to drink moderately? 
And the answer is most people cannot. Most people that struggle with alcohol have to make a decision to surrender it. When they do surrender it and they work with someone and they get clean, they find that life without it is so freaking magical. It is so incredible. It is so outrageously wonderful. You drop the chaos and drama. You find how to enjoy life more than thinking about do I have enough? Where am I going to get the next drink? And should we drink before we go out? And all those kinds of insane questions. All of that is removed. Now, I have worked over the last 20 years with one or two people that went back to drinking a glass of wine with dinner once or twice a week. But that is extremely rare. Extremely rare. Most of us drop it and find life is incredibly gorgeous. Um, Oh, now here's an interesting one. Uh, I'm on a deeply spiritual walk, unless it's from a woman. I'm on a deeply spiritual walk in life and also want to find a man to take care of my financial needs. My girlfriends, except for one, think I deserve this. My guy friends think I just want to be a sponge. (laughs) I love it. Oh, guys, you are so great. What are your thoughts? Okay, look, if you're looking to be taken care of, you need to let any prospective date know this up front. If you're on a path of spiritual growth, you already know that honesty is the number one tenet of all spiritual walks. So you've got to tell your guy right up front what your desire is. And I mean this sincerely. If you want to walk a spiritual path, tenet number one is be honest. Always be honest. So if you claim you're walking a deep spiritual path and you want to be taken care of financially, there might be a little bit of a struggle there. Because what that means is, you know, like within the second or third date, you're going to have to ask the guy for his financial prospectus, you know. You're going to have to say, hey, listen, uh, I'm walking a spiritual path, and uh, I also want to be taken care of financially, so do you have the cash to do it? And and I'm saying this, and I'm being honest. I'm not even laughing while I say it. Uh, if, you, if you don't mention that you're looking to be taken care of financially, then you're lying by omission, which means you're not walking a spiritual path. Now, you don't mention in your email that you're looking for love, and so if you're not looking for love, so let's just say that you're looking to have all of your financial needs taken care of and you keep walking your own spiritual path, then you're looking for a benefactor, If you're, and you don't mention anything about love, so it sounds to me like you're looking for a benefactor. Um, if you want to find love and to be taken care of financially, your priorities are going to have to probably change a little bit. You know, and it's not that you can't fall in love with someone that has a lot of money. That's not the point. But because you're writing about money to me and you just want to have a man take care of your financial needs, I think you're looking for a benefactor. You mentioned nothing about love. So if that's what you want, be honest. Good luck. Uh, But I don't I think you're going to find a conflict down the road with your supposed deep spiritual path. That's just my guess. 1-800-548-8255. 1-800-548-8255. And I'm not laughing at anyone. I'm laughing with myself. If you're not a member of the David SLI VIP text club. Join us right now. Listen, the minute you join, you're going to get a free audio on the three keys to manifestation. Then every Saturday, you're going to get another free video or a free video on inspiration and motivation. We're going to just email you that one time a week. And then you'll also be able to listen to the show, David Essel Live, right from your iPhone or Android. 
just by being a member of the text club. When the text comes in every Saturday, you just scroll down, hit the link that says listen live to the show, and bingo, you're in. So this is how you join it. Now, we just had a caller, one of our listeners call in, who um, needed a little bit more clarification. So you type in the number 69302, 69302. Then in the message box, you put Talk David, all one word, all lowercase. Talk David, all one word, all lowercase, then hit send. Okay, I'm going to walk through it again. Type, become a member of our text club. Type in the number 69302. Then where it says the message box, type in the word Talk David. All small case, lowercase, and one word. Talk David, then hit send. You're going to get free gifts. You're going to love it, and you can listen to the show right on, right on, right on your phone. Hey, I want to thank um, Nathan Staten, uh, our engineer, Will Wilkerson, segment producer, um, Lisa Doyle, our brand manager. Lisa Doyle, welcome. Um, we have Viv, Vivian, who's doing all the posting with Facebook and more. She rocks. David Essel Live can be heard around the world online. Error FM Live at errorfm.com. Be bold, be strong, be positive. I'm David Essel. See you next week. A minute long.